podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, listeners. I trust you're enjoying the international break, and we have an international special for you. We're covering a country on the rise this week, Georgia. They've produced Cavradona, one of the best players to emerge from Syria last year. But not just him, they are a country on the rise. We call up with Luca, the brilliant mastermind behind the Georgian Fully Twiller page, to discuss what is happening with this country. How is this football evolution taking place? They're rising up the FIFA rankings, up to 78. They were as low as 118th back in 2016. But the much maligned UEFA Nations League has helped propel this country on the international stage and instilled them with confidence that they have the fortitude and the skill to take on the best around Europe with the ultimate aim of hopefully qualifying for an international tournament. Luca also tells us about some more unaired gems in Georgian football. We are graced with Luca. He is the brilliant mastermind behind the Georgian footy football twiller page to discuss a country on the rise georgia once disrespected but now followed weekly in many football circles this little nation is making waves again luca welcome to the show tell us a bit about yourself and your love for the beautiful game my friend um thank you for having me first and foremost um it's definitely a pleasure to be representing your country on a any kind of medium uh and um yeah to start with um football has been something kind of huge in my family since forever i guess uh all my family my older brother my, my father both my grandparents used to like it and um yeah i've been about like five years when i first went to a football game and since i tried to go both on uh domestic and uh national team matches as well so it's it's yeah it's, it's a living thing and hopefully my uh, children and grandchildren will also follow the footsteps, and uh, they'll they'll be even with a better team enjoying um, the national team and club football succeed. So yeah, that's that's uh, how it is. There, you're definitely a country on the rise. We have to start with Georgian superstar Cavradona, as he's known in Napoli. Just what makes this player so unique, my man? Um, it's I mean, if you have a look at him, he's a player with. A lot of flair, but it's not even about flair. It's like the old school winger, which we don't really see nowadays, if, if that makes sense. Um, obviously, there are, there are plenty of very good players around Europe and around the world, but that little simplicity yet unpredictability in his game, uh, beating one, two, three, maybe even four, four men off the dribble, can shoot with left, can shoot with right, uh, occasionally can, can head the ball as well, distribute the ball quite nicely, um, and yeah, he's, he's got a mix of everything, which um, I guess he isn't really a thing anymore with players because 
the way the football is evolving as it got more physical um, inside the past, I'd say like 10 years, if, if, if that kind of even maybe even more. But uh, the next, the, the past 10 years, we've seen players who have kind of became robots, and um, most of the thing they do is just run. That's that's it. Um, without the ball and yeah, fair play. I mean, that's the way football is played right now. And to some teams, into some players, that's an efficient way of playing. But um, I guess people who kind of truly love football and the beauty of it, um, players like Gwarzhelia and other other guys as well, uh, they they get a, that bit of joy of him being this proper footballer. If that makes sense, like this pure footballer who just loves to play with the ball. Um, He's like and a kid he, playing in a back garden, isn't he? Yeah, just yeah, so yeah. Free. Yeah, I mean, he's he's, he's uh, that's that has been a talking point previously in his career when um, he's, he's some deemed him as as a not a team player. You know, like he just likes to play with the ball. We just like to take take on one uh, man or two, and the decision making is not how it should be. And, and I do, I did agree to that to a certain extent. But the jump he made in terms of playing this systematic football. Uh, with Napoli this season, plus being that individual who just just can't decide the game by by himself, who just can't play by by, by himself, and uh, that mix of being able to play for the team as well as play with the team, uh, I guess that that uh, made him that special. And um, hopefully, again, he's he's twenty two, uh, tons of room for improvement, and uh, maybe in three or four years we'll see him even better and playing for. Maybe even a better side than Napoli. No disrespect to Napoli, obviously great team, but you know you always strive for greatness and for for better and better. And so yeah. Do you think that non-traditional route he's taken in many ways, making waves in Russian football with Ruben Kazan, then fleeing that war and torn country for the warm embrace of Georgian football? Do you think this has contributed to his sort of unique playing style? Um, so to put a bit more context context um how to put this the reason why he left uh, russia was because um after russia started the war against ukraine loads of foreign players were allowed to uh freely uh, just leave the teams and uh, terminate the contracts so obviously because of the fact that um in 2021 he was somewhat close to moving to europe um just one year before he went to Napoli, uh, the move didn't really kind of happen because the team wanted a bit more for him, and the other other teams weren't willing to pay as much as Ruben Kazan wanted um, to get in return for him. So that obviously played a huge part because that made him uh, probably twice as cheaper as he was previously. But to be fair, like looking at, at the way he played in that three quarters of. of the league in Russia uh, to start the 2021-2022 season, he was completely lost. He was not even the player, the same same player as he entered um, that summer because obviously when you're expecting to make the huge jump and when the move doesn't happen, it obviously affects you uh, mentally. Um, and yeah, he was 21 at the, uh, 20 at the time. Um, so obviously that did play huge, but he was not mentally ready to stay in the same environment with the team getting worse. And that really showed that he wasn't performing at the same level as he did in previous years. But that move to Georgia, uh, when he, it was definitely, everyone knew that after two, three months of him joining the, the uh, Georgian side, he never to him, he, will, he, will, he would have left. Uh, but despite that, I mean, he played as good as he could, contributed to the team and helped them to 
push for the league title um, as the team were like nine points clear at the top before he left. Um, before he left, uh, before he left Dima Batumi. Um, and yeah, to gain confidence, to feel that you're kind of welcome um, in, in, in the country you are, uh, as well as the national team started to pick up a decent kind of form. We won like three games in Nations League in that um, in that short period and went on like a the biggest unbeaten run in the history of Georgia football. That was 11 matches. And yeah, that, that definitely played a part. Um, and after that, or... 10, 10, yes, 10 slash 11 million euros the signing Napoli made and that just skyrocketed his confidence. And from day one, he he felt like a guy who just was there because he wanted to be there. And um, yeah, obviously, it, it, played, it played a huge part. Like you said, 22, last season, he was at the centre of nearly everything Napoli did well. 12 goals and a remarkable 10 assists from a left-wing position is no mean feat in Serie A. And then he did it on the Champions League stage as well, two goals, four assists. How high do you think this player can go? Can he be George's Garrett Bale, say? Uh, why not? <laughs> I mean, he certainly is, is a player who's got that in him to be one of the greatest players of his generation. Um but you have to obviously be objective and have to consider loads of things around a football player because uh, a playing football is one, but being mentally prepared to play football is different. Um, and when everyone expects you to be that next great thing, it's not that easy to live up with uh, that, those kind of expectations. And um, at this point, um, obviously he's, he's he had a bit of cold ending to the season, which has it like multiple reasons, mainly because. Um, I guess after Napoli basically won uh, the league two, two and a half months prior to the finish of the league, um, obviously the whole team kind of put their foot off the pedal and the players had had a lack of motivation. And um, I guess uh, if he somehow adjusts himself and somehow learns how to be a player who manages his body, manages his mental health, from top to bottom, from day one to the last day of the season, that will obviously help him to just get that next jump and to improve even more because footballing abilities is obviously one and he's got abundance of skill and quality and talent, but being ready to do certain things and being ready to be that a player who's just there from day one until the last day of the season, that takes a lot of effort and a lot of commitment, I'd say so. Again, um, if all the circumstances fall uh, correctly and if he manages his, himself correctly, then he'll definitely, definitely be a player of Bale's quality. And the, uh, I mean, the way Bale helped Wells to have probably the best appearance of, of Wells at the Euros and just to be a, t- t- be a team that everyone was afraid of in, in, in certain areas, I guess he has got the quality to do so. And as you said, on the international stage, your country is making great strides. Up to 78 in the FIFA rankings, a steady climb over the last seven years. In 2016, you were 118. How is your country doing this, my friend? What is causing this rapid evolution? Well, one of the main things, I guess, is uh, the Nations League tournament, which you have implemented and allowed teams of similar kind of quality to face each other. Um, 
and obviously when, when you play against teams who are on a similar level than you uh, of, of you it's it's i guess easier to um build that confidence and to win games and obviously it takes a lot a lot to, to win the games but whenever you do that when whenever you win let's say three out of four or five games that obviously boosts your um approach approach to the future and builds that environment inside the team uh build that winning environment inside the team so i guess that's probably one of the main reasons and again like the the uh squad has fallen quite, kind of well with with each other and uh, the players we had obviously it helped us a lot that they had teams who play uh, their players who play for decent teams and players who like to play for the national team as well so that the it's it's a mix of everything i guess but mainly the nations league was in my eyes the uh main reason why there's an increase in in, in um, footballing uh, culture in georgia if that makes sense do you think this launching pad from the Nations League can lead to qualifying for a major tournament on the international stage? Mate, we were one game away from qualifying for the Euros in 2020. Uh, we lost to North Macedonia uh, without Paratelli um, and without other guys, which was a fortune, obviously, because the final was held in Tbilisi in Georgia. But due to COVID, uh, the local government did not allow anyone to enter the stadium, which was a huge blow. Although we got the clearance from UEFA, uh, the government said no. But even despite that, and even despite people weren't allowed to head outside after nine nine o'clock, the game kicked off at kicked off at eight. There were like ten thousand people watching the game outside the stadium without even caring about the restrictions and the fact that they were they would have gotten fines. But um, yeah, that was uh, one of the darkest I'd say moments, and uh, it took us a bit. It took us around like a year to come back after that. Um, but uh, well, yeah, again with the Nations League, we, we also have a good chance to qualify now because we've got two playoff uh, games to play. Um, the opponents aren't really decided yet because if Turkey qualifies directly from the group stage, that means we will uh, we will avoid Turkey as well as maybe even Kazakhstan, who are one of the teams who we um, might might play. So yeah, that's that that's huge chance, and for smaller nations like us. Um, it's uh, an easier step to um, to take and to head to like a major tournament, which will obviously be probably one of the greatest things that had happened to the whole country, apart from sports, like in general. You know, like... you've taken some notable scalps in recent years: Kosovo, Sweden, Bosnia, Bulgaria, yeah. North Macedonia. Is confidence building now? Do Georgians believe when they take to the field and watch their team, we can win this? Yeah, man. Um, again, as I said before, um, whenever you see your team win, despite their opponent as well, like no disrespect to anyone, but whenever you see that your team win three, four, five, six games in a row, that gives you a little bit of moose in, in, in the way you approach the game. That's as, as a footballer, that's one, but as a supporter, that's second. And um, because um, previously, obviously, we had a, a rougher time as we were on losing side more and more. So, uh, nowadays, when we see that team is able to compete and they've got like three, four players who play for decent teams in Europe, that gives you a bit of hope that, oh, today, uh, even like tomorrow, we got a game in Spain. And I'm convinced that at least 70% of people attending the game are hoping that we will obviously always go for winning. Uh, you always say, oh, I want to win. And bear in mind, like, there's not a football support who says, like, oh, I don't want us to win. but objectively speaking it's 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 pushed to win against spain but 
um, yeah, that confidence that we might win is probably at a all-time high, and um, hopefully, it will it will happen? And those the upcoming two games against Spain and Norway will um, give us some hope and chances of us to qualify directly from the qualifying group rather than the Nations League. And, um, yeah, I'm shifting the dice slightly. Luca, domestically, Dinamo Tbilisi were one of the most prominent names in Soviet football back in the day. They produced yeah. arguably the most significant achievement in Georgian football to date, winning the UEFA Cup Winners' Cup in 1981. What is the lay of the land domestically in Georgia today? Is the league of a high standard? Uh, not quite, no. It's probably one of the lowest performing leagues in Europe, bottom 10 and... Mainly comes down to, again, plenty of factors, uh, mismanaging, um, lack of finances. But I'd say, like, mainly because, uh, I mean, this is a topic I could talk about, like, for, for four hours. <laughs> because um, it's it's something that um, is, is quite heavy to a lot of people in here. Because, um, obviously, you watch your team, uh, national team play maybe six to eight times per year. But your club plays every single weekend and you want them to make that push for European group stages, either the Champions League, the Europa League or the UEFA Conference League. But uh, mainly because of the fact that the teams are mismanaged and poorly run, that gives you, um, I'd just put this, I don't know. Um, yeah, like I said those are the main reasons because with Dinamo Tbilisi, as I mentioned before, um, I, I'm working on like a new statistic to put on, on my account that uh, we've got around 12, million income inside the six years directly via transfers which is a huge amount in the region because um teams like bottom 15 teams in the ufa uh, rankings i'd say like georgia uh, baltic countries uh, montenegro albania so on and so forth like none of them are even like close to the income dealing with like just one team has got but you have to make up for that money. You have to build a team around that money, uh, which unfortunately the ownership fails to do so. Um, and um, yeah, that's 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 the thing with many other teams. Um, I guess all the other teams. And um, hopefully, in in a few years' time away from now, we'll see some new ownership, new approach, and new more. I'd say um, approach that is built within a community that likes football and understands football because. You could be an owner, you could have a lot of money, but you may not understand how football works and how you should run a club. Um, and that has been the case with many top, top clubs, uh, maybe even Chelsea to a certain extent, but that's, let's not dive into that. Uh, but um, yeah, you know what I mean? Like um, a team's been poorly managed uh, and poorly run. That has got to be one of the main reasons why we're not succeeding as a uh, club footballing country as much as we should if you ask me and I could be biased on this one but seeing countries like um, uh, Iceland, Faroe Islands, uh, Bosnia so on and so forth qualifying for the group stages of uh, European club tournaments and that certainly gives you a feeling that oh why shouldn't we do the same but there are certain objective reasons why you're not making it happen and um, unfortunately those reasons are quite a lot in, 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 in our case so yeah Often, some of those nations you mentioned, like from my own Irish background, you know, yeah. our breakthrough success sort of happened when more and more of our players went to foreign leagues, 
you know, and they got trained up in better fertile grounds. Who do you think are some unearthed talents in Georgian football primed for the next big moves? Um, well, there are a few players who should have made a move this season, especially coming off of a relatively successful uh, under-21 tournament uh, that was held in uh, Georgia and Romania this summer. Uh, to to put things into a bit perspective, um, Dinamo Tbilisi has also got the best academy in terms of A, the amount of players they've got and the facilities they possess. And they've got, not monopoly, I'd say, but a huge chunk of local talent in Georgia are under Dinamo Tbilisi, which A, is decent because previously we didn't have academy as good, but B, uh, the competitive nature of players isn't really there yet because every single game they play, they either win like 6-0, 7-1, 8-0, 9-2, stuff like that. So obviously when you're accustomed to winning easily and then you match up against teams um, from, the, from the region again, like when you see that, oh, you may not be as good as you thought you were, that definitely plays a huge part in why those guys aren't succeeding. But um, yeah, you could, you, could, you could list a good 10 players who should have made a move this summer. Um, I, I could... So I can name some of them, which um, now currently play for the MTPLC. One of them is Sandro Kalandadze, who got called up to the uh, national team for the upcoming game in Spain. He's a centre-back who had a really solid um, under-21 tournament. Uh, Anzo Mekobishuli was close to a move away to away from the MTPLC to... Well, there were a few teams interested previously. They were like Sassuolo from Italy, Copenhagen from Denmark, Rakov from Poland, but that none of those moves occurred. Um, Yuri Tapatadze, a player from one of the second biggest, uh, let's say, um, academies in, in Georgia, Sabatalo. He was also kind of close to moving to a better league, but that move didn't happen uh, this time. And yeah, so there are a few players who might make a move quite soon, and hopefully they will make a move quite soon. And lastly, Luca, tell our listeners where they can hear more of your in-depth and magical football knowledge. Um just quite simple at Georgian Footy on Twitter. Those are my only that that's my only kind of way to um, reaching out to me. And um, if there's anyone interested in Georgian football in the depths and in the highs of Georgian football, they can obviously uh, watch the Twitter page X as they call it there, but I'll obviously call it Twitter again. <laughs> and um, yeah, thanks so much for your time, mate. And best of luck against Spain and Norway. Thank you, mate. Thank you, mate. Have a good one. You're listening to Eurotales, where European football stories are explored one at a time. Make sure you subscribe so you never miss an episode. Thank you so much, Luca, for your time. The link to Luca's amazing Twitter page is in the show notes. The rise of Cavici Cavascalia is just the tip of the iceberg of George's football journey. You can hear from Luca. Just a sample of the confidence in the country ahead of the games against Spain and Norway. And no matter what the outcome of that result is, this is a country producing players. Dinamo Tbilisi have a monopoly at the minute. But with an academy that is producing talent like that, it can only bode well for them on an international stage as well. Enjoy the rest of the international break. We'll be back next week with some more Euro Tales. Thanks for listening. Don't miss us between episodes. Simply follow our socials, links in the show notes, or simply search at EuroTalesPod on Twitter. Euro Tales.
Network.